98K News. It's one o'clock and Robert Kem, the headlines. Vice Chairman of the Independent Police Complaints Council defends officers who don't display identification numbers during riots. The former Chief Executive Siwa Leung has denied writing letters to British politicians, warning them to turn down comments on the protests here. And a man charged with a knife attack at a Chunkwano Lennon wall is denied bail. Vice Chairman of the Independent Police Complaints Council has defended officers who have failed to display identification numbers on their uniforms when dealing with protesters over the past two months. Speaking on an RTHK radio show, Christopher Cheung said without wearing ID tags, officers could carry out their duties without fear of retribution, such as in the past when officers' personal details were published on the internet. He said it wasn't fair for police to face many restrictions when dealing with riots. Former IPCC member, lawmaker Kenneth Leung, disagreed. The tactical team, they are dealing with the people of Hong Kong, people who come to the street to protest. Now, of course, they have a special responsibility, as I understand it, is to arrest the protesters if they commit a crime. I do not think that is justified to say that because they have a special duty, then they should be protected in such a way that they need not display their numbers. Former Chief Executive Siwa Leung has denied writing letters to British politicians warning them to tone down comments on the protests here or face the consequences. John Wong reports. Writing on his Facebook page, Mr. Leung denied a report in the Daily Mail newspaper which said letters signed by CY Leung were sent to politicians who'd spoken about the protests in Hong Kong. The paper said the letter indicated that if politicians agitate matters further, the Chinese government will elaborate further with regards to future consequences. Mr. Leung, a vice chairman of the National Committee of China's top advisory body, the CPPCC, said he reserved the right to take action against the Daily Mail and relevant politicians. A political analyst says he's not optimistic about the chief executive's plans for a platform for dialogue to defuse the political crisis. Chung Kim Wah, a social policy expert from Polytechnic University, says the people who've reportedly been invited to talks on Saturday to discuss the platform are too close to the government and too remote from the protesters. He says the government should invite more opposition figures, such as pan-democrat lawmakers, as well as make further concessions. Without any construction, it's not easy to convince people to come up to dialogue with the government. But if the government is willing to do something more, say for example, to open the door for the independent investigation and to formally withdraw the bill, I think it will indicate some positive message to all people in Hong Kong and to make the young protesters and those people involved in the front more difficult to refuse the invitation for communication. Pro-establishment lawmaker Priscilla Leung has called for a cooling-off period and an end to violence so society can explore how to end the political unrest. Mrs Lam, the chairwoman of the Business and Professionals Alliance, says she's happy the government has made the first step with trying to set up a platform for dialogue. Following reports of talks planned for Saturday, she also said more opposition figures should be invited. They can belong to the opposition camp. Either it can be former legislators from both camps who are willing to talk, who are, seem to be sensible, at least they'll be able to talk to the other camp. But most importantly, we also need people who could talk with young people. Secretary for Justice Risa Cheng has suggested the use of innovative and diversified resolution techniques to handle the current problems Hong Kong faces. Writing on her blog after attending a forum on international law, Ms Cheng said consensus should be built through dialogue and not violence. She also said enjoying rights and freedom also means respecting the rights of others. 
Kuntong Court has denied bail to a man who was arrested over a knife attack in Chen Kwano near Lenin Wall, where anti-extradition notes were posted. Tony Hong, who's 50, has been accused of three counts of wounding. Next hearing is on October the 17th. The Journalists Association says police are now following up on its report of a suspected fake press card found at a protest site after it issued a statement on officers refusing to investigate the matter. The association said on Monday that it filed a report to the Wan Chai Police Headquarters over the discovery of a fake Journal Tribuna de Macau press card. But officers there declined to open a case on that. But it says right after it publicised the police rejection, the force reversed the decision and invited its representatives over to take statements. Several major banks have taken out full-page newspaper advertisements to speak out against violence amid weeks of escalating clashes between police and anti-extradition protesters. HSBC has called for dialogue, saying peaceful means should be used to find a way out of the crisis. Standard Chartered also urges the public to help Hong Kong return to peace and to create an environment conducive to communication. It said it supports one country, two systems, and the government maintaining order. Meanwhile, the Bank of East Asia has called on the public to safeguard the rule of law, boost the economy and build harmony. International news, the Mexican government has expressed concern at the announcement by the Trump administration that it intends to permit the indefinite detention of migrant children seeking asylum in the United States. The US Department of Homeland Security said earlier it would scrap a long-standing agreement that prevents migrant children being held in custody for more than 20 days. From Los Angeles, says the BBC's David Willis. There are likely to be legal challenges against not only this attempted change in the law, but many of the others that the Trump administration has sought to bring about in an attempt to curb the immigration situation here in the United States. They're all intended, these measures, to send a message to people who were thinking of heading for the border in a hope of getting across it, not to bother. And that's a very important message, of course, for Donald Trump's base going into an election year. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has spoken to the Danish Foreign Minister to express his appreciation of Denmark's cooperation as a U.S. ally. Statement said the two also discussed strengthening cooperation in the Arctic, including Greenland. It comes a day after President Trump cancelled a state visit to Copenhagen in a row over his desire to purchase the semi-autonomous Danish territory. Danish Prime Minister Meda Fredriksen says she doesn't believe President Trump's decision to cancel his state visit will damage the close ties between the two countries. I was looking forward to having a dialogue on the many shared interests Denmark has with the U.S. A discussion has, however, been raised about a potential sale of Greenland. This has clearly been rejected. This does not change the character of our good relations. And we will, of course, from Denmark, continue our ongoing dialogue with the U.S. on how we can deal with the many common challenges we are facing. Speaking to reporters, Mr. Trump said he still intended to visit Denmark. Greenland was just an idea, just a thought, but I think when they say it was absurd and it was said in a very nasty, very sarcastic way, I said, we'll make it some other time. We'll go to Denmark. I love Denmark. I've been to Denmark. And frankly, we'll do it another time. British and German leaders say there's still time to reach a deal on Britain's departure from the European Union, but both admitted the task ahead was difficult. Prime Minister Boris Johnson said sometimes agreements were concluded in the final hours. He repeated his demand that the Irish backstop be scrapped. I just want to be absolutely clear with all our German friends and with the German government that we in the UK 
want a deal. We seek a deal. And I believe that we can get one. We can do it. But clearly, we cannot accept the current withdrawal agreement. Arrangements that either divide the UK or lock us into the regulatory and trading arrangements of the EU, the legal order of the EU, without the UK having any say on those matters. So we do need that backstop removed. Chancellor Angela Merkel told Mr Johnson he had 30 days to come up with fresh workable ideas on alternative arrangements to guarantee an open border in Ireland. French President Emmanuel Macron, who Mr Johnson will visit tonight, insisted there could be no renegotiations. His team said it was now likely Britain would leave the EU without a deal. Minutes from the last meeting of the US Central Bank, the Federal Reserve highlighted its concern about the pressures on the US economy. Interest rates were cut by a quarter of a percentage point at the end of July. But the bankers debated making a deeper cut because of the risk of recession. They blame trade tensions and weak global growth. President Trump has repeatedly attacked the Fed's policies and recommended on Tuesday that rates fall by a full percentage point over the coming months. The first people to dive down to the Titanic in nearly 15 years say some of the wreck is deteriorating rapidly. An international team surveyed the ship in the icy depths of the North Atlantic from a five-metre-long submersible. The historian Park Stevenson said while some sections were in surprisingly good condition, he was alarmed by what he saw. Probably the most shocking area of deterioration was the starboard side of the officers' quarters, where the captain's quarters are. The captain's bathtub is a favorite image among Titanic enthusiasts, and that's now gone. That whole deckhouse on that side is collapsing, taking with its staterooms, and that deterioration is going to continue advancing. Titanic sank in 1912 with the loss of more than 1,500 lives. A Russian participant in the World Tango Championships in Buenos Aires has been disqualified for punching his partner. The incident happened as the husband and wife team came off stage after competing in the semi-finals. Is the BBC's Candace Piet. Emotions were running high during this year's semi-finals at the world's most prestigious tango championship. Witnesses reported seeing a man assault his partner and wife shortly after they left the dance floor. Soon after, he was disqualified, with organisers saying he had broken competition rules on good conduct. The feminist tango movement said the dancer should have been accused of assault. In a video message, the man apologised. The Hang Seng Index is at 26,027. That's down 242 points. Turnover is, is $44.3 billion. The euro is trading at $1.10. The end is trading at $106.41 to the dollar. And the pound is worth 9.5 Hong Kong dollars. Sport now, and here's Joanne Wong. Cricket first and the third Ashes test have starts at Headingley in a few hours from now. Australia are 1-0 up against England, but they'll be without their leading batsman, Steve Smith. He's been ruled out of the match after suffering delayed concussion. England have called up batsman Ollie Pope to be on standby for Jason Roy after he was struck on the neck during their practice on Tuesday. Roy is available to play at the moment after passing a concussion test. The BBC's Jonathan Agnew has more. Roy will be further assessed and the feeling was that he's expected to be fit and 
open the batting. However, if he's ruled out, Pope will play, fresh from an unbeaten double century for Surrey, and Denley would move to the top of the order. For all the shift in momentum at Lords and the absence of Smith from the Australian ranks, England still have it all to do. 1-0 down, they have to win the series to regain the Ashes, but catches are being dropped and the batting is highly inconsistent. Much of the focus will be on any impact Smith's injury has on his teammates' approach to batting against Archer, whose pace and hostility at Lords has given England such a boost. England's Joffre Archer bowled with pace and hostility in the second test, peppering the tourists with bouncers. Former England opener Nick Compton shares his experience on how to deal with Archer and his 95-mile-an-hour missiles. I think the best way to, to get through guys like Joffre Archer is to not try and get the better, best of them. I, I think you want to try and find a way of minimising the damage that he causes. And I think, of course, you know, the pace, the bounce, we've heard a lot about that. We've seen a lot about it. I think... For me, he's the type of guy that angles the ball in. So I think firstly and foremost, you've got to make sure that you're covering your stumps, that you're covering the wicket-taking delivery because it's not often the bouncer that gets you out. It's the, the good delivery on off stump that takes the edge or, or bowls you or gets you LBW. So I think players have always got to go back to what they feel is the best way to, to counter that. Um, in terms of the short pitch bowling, well, that comes from practice and comes from being able to evade and, and duck and get your way out of it. In football, Italian champions Juventus have opened a branch office here in Hong Kong as the Serie A giants look to expand into the Asia-Pacific region. They've also been pushing for Serie A to schedule more early kickoffs to help the club grow in Asia. More from the BBC, Simon Stone. They view... Um, the USA, where they have a presence, and Europe as a as kind of consolidated markets. They know how much them they can make from those markets, but they think there is a lot of untapped potential in China, in in the wider Asia region. Um, and to that end, they've um, today opened a branch in Hong Kong. They have offices in Hong Kong, and so. The club's view is a kind of wider view of Italian football and how it should promote itself, and that's not by playing matches at midnight and 2am. And that's your look at sport. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The vice chairman of the Independent Police Complaints Council defends officers who don't display identification numbers during riots. The former chief executive, C.Y. Leung, has denied writing letters to British politicians, warning them to tone down comments on the protests here. And a man charged with a knife attack at a Chonquano Lennon wall is denied bail. And that's the news from RTHK.